week, and I wanted to prove that I haven't lost a step. So, uh, and Martha will be at second service, and I won't do that at second service. Because she'll say, you're going to break your hip. Good to see you this morning. If you're a guest of ours, we are especially honored to have you with us today. Glad you chose to worship with us today at Bay Area. I heard a story about a fellow that went to see his doctor, and the doctor said, well, what seems to be the problem today? And the guy said, Doc, I can't remember anything. I can't remember my address. I can't remember my phone number. I can't remember my kids' names. I I can't remember sometimes how to get to work in the morning. In fact, I I can't remember exactly how I got here. The doctor said, well, that sounds kind of interesting. How long have you been like this? The guy said, how long have I been like what? (laughs) It's the middle of December. I mentioned last week that the whole world is talking about Jesus, and that's a good thing. But I have lived long enough to know, and I bet you have too, that about the middle of January, most people will have completely forgotten about Jesus. And that's a very bad thing. Last week, we talked about the fact that it was God's plan to send his son, send send the Redeemer as part of his eternal plan. That was God's plan from the very beginning. And we mentioned last week that the story of the birth of Jesus didn't actually start with a young couple trying to figure out how they got pregnant. It actually began with an old couple worried that they would never be able to get pregnant. And it didn't really begin, the story of the birth of Jesus didn't really begin with angels making an announcement in the book of Matthew and the book of Luke. But it really began with God making a promise all the way back in the book of Genesis to a guy by the name of Abraham that through his descendants the whole world would be blessed. That all people everywhere would be blessed. And of course Jesus was the, was the proof of that promise. We talked last week about God's gift to the whole world. And this morning I want to narrow that a little bit and talk about God's gift to us. And last week we talked about the angel visiting Mary, having a conversation with Mary in the book of Luke. Today we're going to spend most of our time talking about an angel that appears to Joseph in a dream in the book of Matthew. So let's jump right into it. Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to pick it up in verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. Matthew figures there's probably people going to want to know how this all happened, so let me tell you. This is how the birth of Jesus came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now that phrase, before they came together, she was found to be with child, that could have gotten Mary killed. The fact that she was a woman who wasn't married, but she was about to have a child, she could have been stoned for that. Those were the times that Mary was living in, very dangerous times. You know, we usually talk a little bit more about Mary than we do Joseph. And I understand why. We we actually know a little bit more about Mary than we do Joseph. But Joseph was an amazing guy. I mean, put yourself in his sandals for just a minute. The girl that he is about to marry, the girl that he is going to spend the rest of his life with, shows up pregnant. Not only is she pregnant... She's kind of lost her mind, too. 
She's gone crazy. She tells Joseph, I had a conversation with an angel. Really? You had a conversation with an angel? Yes! And he explained the whole thing to me. I'm pregnant. The Father is the Holy Spirit. Really? The Father of that child is the Holy Spirit? Yes! What guy would believe that? Come on. Seriously. What guy would possibly believe? What, what happened to my sweet Mary? Now, here's why I say Joseph was an amazing guy. Verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, actually, he's not her husband at this point. He's, he's her fiancé. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. And, of course, if he's a righteous man, he is not going to marry a pregnant girl. No, he didn't want to humiliate Mary. He didn't want to bring her before the, the temple or the synagogue and make a spectacle of the whole thing. Joseph's kind of caught between you know, law and grace here. He knows what the law is, but he knows what grace is about too. It's law and grace. Now, what am I going to do? He had in mind, he was thinking about it, hadn't quite decided yet. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph has really taken the high road here. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid, because he was afraid. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Even though you taking Mary as your wife, everyone's going to think that you're as guilty as she obviously is. Even though this is going to destroy her reputation, even though it's going to destroy your reputation, even though this whole thing is a big mess, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Wow. That's exactly what Mary said. This son that's about to be born is obviously going to be a very special son. Verse 21. She'll give birth to a son, and here's where it really gets serious. She'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because drumroll, you know if this was a movie, the, the music would be crescending here. Here we go. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will and Joseph's probably thinking, if this son of mine is going to be the Messiah, I know exactly what he will do. I know what you're about to say. He will take care of the Romans because that's what we need. That's what we've been waiting for. I know what the Messiah is going to do. We've talked about this. You know, we've been under you know the rule of the Assyrians and the, the, the Persians and the Babylonians and the Greeks and, and now it's Rome. Yeah, I know what you're about to say. She'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from there. And again, he's thinking from their oppressors, from their invaders, from the Romans. We have been waiting for this for centuries. I know this. And I can't believe that my son is going to play a part in delivering God's people, the descendants of Abraham, from the hand, the, the, the crushing hand of the Romans. Now, we've kind of given up hope. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. 
Wait, what? Wait, Angel, back up a minute. He will save his people from their sins? See, here's the deal on that. That's not really a felt need for us right now. Okay, we don't really need saved from our sins right now. We need saved from the Romans. In fact, if you got all the Jews together and you said, what do you need most for someone to do for you? I think we would all probably agree, we need someone to free us from the Romans. We need someone to put us back where we belong in a situation where we are a world power. Being saved from our sins, that's not really high on our list right now. That's not what we're looking for. And guess what? That's not what most people today are looking for either. If you ask most people, what do you need most? Being saved from their sins, probably not real high on their list. In fact, uh, a motivational speaker, um, uh, Anthony Robbins, uh, you probably heard of him, Tony Robbins, kind of famous guy, he's on TV all the time. He came up with six core things that every human being needs. He said, this kind of covers it all. Besides food and water and air, he said, here are six things that every person on the face of the earth needs. Let me share with you a list. This is from the expert here. Six core human needs. First, he says, you need certainty. You need the need of of safety and security and, and, and stability. Everybody needs that. Second on his list was variety. You need to be challenged. You need adventure in your life. You need some excitement. Then he said you need significance. You need to have your life mean something. You need something to be proud of. You need to feel like you're important. And then love and connection. We all need to love and be loved. We need to be connected to other people. Growth. The need for expanding our horizons, you know, emotionally, intellectually. And then finally, contribution. You need to go beyond yourself. You need to serve others. You need to contribute to society. And most people would look at his list and say, that's a pretty good list. And I'll look at his list and I'll say, that's a pretty good list. But you know the problem with Tony Robbins' list of the six things that every human being needs? Nowhere on that list does he even mention, even allude to salvation from our sins. And I think if in the first century a group of Jews got together and were making a list, I'm not sure that would be on their list either. When this angel appeared to Joseph in the dream, I'm not sure that would have been on their list. In fact, the Jews in the first century would have have told you, you know what, we don't really need salvation from our sins. We have a system in place for that already. You know, it's the temple. It sits on a big hill. Maybe you've heard of it. We just go to the temple and we find a priest and we offer a sacrifice and our sins are taken care of. We already have a system in place for that. We don't really need another system to take care of our sins. Now, the Romans, they need their sins taken care of because the Romans have sinned against us. Rome's the one who needs their sins taken care of. We need saved from them. But that's not how Joseph responds. I said he's kind of an amazing guy. And you know why Joseph doesn't respond in any of those fashions? It's because when God speaks to people, you don't speak back. When an angel talks to somebody, you don't talk back. In fact, that's why some people, I've had people tell me before, you know, uh, God came to me and he told me to do this. And I'm like, hmm. I don't think that was God. 
because you're still standing. <laughs> you're not a puddle on the floor. You know, your face hadn't melted off. I don't think that was God that was speaking to you directly. Now, when God spoke to people, he communicated clearly. They, they knew what God was saying. He didn't try to trick anybody. He, he didn't stutter. And even though this is a dream, Joseph doesn't wake up and go, wow, that was weird. I just had a weird dream. Is that real? I don't know. No. Joseph wakes up and does exactly what the angel tells him to do. Take a look at verse 24. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home to be his wife. But he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Now let me ask you a question this morning. I want to ask a question and then I want to talk about it just a little bit. Why didn't that story move us more than it does? Why didn't the story of Jesus showing up on, on earth, why didn't that drive us to our knees? Why doesn't that light us up? Why are we shouting that from the mountaintops? Look again at what the angel told Joseph. This is exactly what the angel said. She will give birth to a son, and you're to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. That's exactly what the angel said. But you know what? That's not what we hear. Here's what we hear. You're to give him the name Jesus because he will forgive his people of their sins. And if we're careful, we'll think of Jesus as just a forgiver and not a savior. If we're not careful. <laughs> If we're not careful, we'll think of Jesus just as a forgiver, not a savior. We'll think that he stepped down here into earth just for the, just so he could forgive us. Not so he could save us. There's a subtle difference, but it's a really important difference. And I'm counting on you all to be smart enough to understand the difference. Because a lot of people, a lot of good people, in fact, a lot of Christians will tell you, Everyone sins, God forgives. Everyone sins, God forgives. I sin, God forgives. I mess up, God forgives. I sin, God forgives. I sin, God forgives. And that's, that's kind of their Christian existence. But the message to Joseph in that dream was a message that was so much bigger than just that. And, and don't get me wrong, I am not marginalizing, I am not in any way uh, distracting from the importance of forgiveness. You know I'm not doing that. I'm just saying the reason Jesus came was bigger than that. And Jesus is bigger than that. He didn't merely come to forgive us. Jesus came not just to forgive us, but deliver us. Not just from the penalty of sin, but also from the power of sin. He came to free us from the dominion of sin, from the enslavement of sin. Through Jesus, we've been promised deliverance from sin. It's a really important difference. And Jesus really tried to teach this through his whole ministry. He was trying to teach, I'm here for a bigger reason than you might think. You may remember back in John chapter 8, uh, the woman who was caught in adultery is brought to Jesus. And, and she's taken right, you know, from an adulterous relationship and she's dragged through the streets. We don't know how far she's dragged, but she's brought to the temple. She's brought to Jesus. It's a horrible scene. 
and her accusers throw her to the ground and they tell Jesus this woman has been caught in an adulterous relationship. The law says to stone her. What do you say? And Jesus knew. He knew what they were doing. He knew they were trying to trap him. He knew it wasn't about the woman. They were trying to, you know, kind of entrap him. So, so he calls their bluff. And he says, go ahead, stoner. One little caveat, though. Those of you who haven't sinned, you start the execution. And, of course, everyone gets quiet. And one by one, those men who had accused her walk away. And Jesus turns to this woman and, and says something. Actually, he says two things to the woman. First, he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And the woman answers back to Jesus, no, sir. No one has condemned me. And then Jesus says this to her, and it's, it's so powerful. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm not going to condemn you. In fact, what Jesus is saying is, I forgive you. Wait a minute. Who has the power to forgive sin? Only God can do that. Jesus is saying, I forgive you. You don't have to go into the temple here. You don't have to find a priest. You don't have to offer a sacrifice. You are looking at the Lamb of God. I forgive you. But he doesn't stop there, does he? Go now and leave your life of sin. And we wonder, is that possible? Is it possible to go and sin no more? Some translations word it that way. Is it possible to actually say no to sin? Another time Jesus is talking to a bunch of Pharisees and he makes this statement. It's, it's one that a lot of you have memorized. The thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. Jesus said, I've come to give life. In fact, I've come to give the best life. Now, that sounds a lot bigger than just forgiveness, doesn't it? You know, forgiveness kind of puts you back to zero, right? Forgiveness sort of undoes what we have done. But Jesus says, my reason for being here is bigger than that. I'm not just going to put you back to zero. I'm going to give you life. In fact, I'm going to give you the best life. I'm going to give you a great life. I'm going to give you this abundant life. I didn't just come to, to, uh, to forgive you of something. I came to deliver you from something, from a life of sin, to give you the best life. Paul will say this in Romans chapter 6. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Don't let sin be your master. Don't let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Don't, don't be living under the authority of sin. Again, it's why Jesus came. Then Paul goes on. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather... But rather, there's another option. But rather, there's another way. But rather, if your whole Christian existence is, I sin, God forgives. I sin, God forgives. You're missing a big part of the message of the gospel. But rather, offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life. 
Didn't Jesus just promise He came to give us life? The good life? The best life? The abundant life? Offer the parts of your body to Him as instruments of righteousness. Again, it's not just about being forgiven of sins. It's about being set free from sin. Verse 14. For sin shall not be your master, because you're not under law, but under grace. Sin shall not be your master. And then a couple verses later, Paul is going to sort of summarize his thoughts here. It's another verse that a lot of us have memorized. For the wages of sin is death. You know that verse, right? You know that. The wages of sin is death. In fact, listen, you know that even if you're not a Bible person. Even if you've never memorized that verse. Even if you're just here today because it's pretty close to Christmas time and you promised somebody you'd come to church with them. You know the wages of sin is death. You know sin kills things. Sin always kills something. Some of you had a marriage that was killed by sin. Some of you might have a son or a daughter and that relationship has been killed because of their sin or maybe maybe your sin. Some of you have seen an addiction or, or some habit ruin a relationship. Maybe the, ruin the way you, you look at yourself. You know, you look at yourself in the mirror and you're not happy with what you see. And you wish things were different. And you wish you were different. And you realize it's because, because sin has killed something in me. You know, and most importantly, sin kills us spiritually. But thankfully, we know that, that Paul's just taking a break, a breath there. He's just dipping his pen in the inkwell. He's not done with the thought. For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. The gift of God. That's what we're talking about today, right? The gift. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians will think, you know, the gift is eternal life in heaven. When I get to heaven, that's when the gift kicks in. That's when my eternal life begins. Jesus said, I came to give you the abundant life now. The gift kicks in when Jesus becomes your Lord and Master. That eternal life in Christ Jesus begins when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. The gift is, is Christ our Lord. A life that frees us from the power of sin. From the entrapment and the enslavement of sin. The wages of sin. It frees us from sin's grip. It frees us from sin's control. That's the promise that the angel made to Joseph when he appeared to him in a dream. He would save his people from their sins. And through Jesus, we have a new master. Because of that gift, because of Jesus, we have a new master. Is it not sin? A new life. A couple months ago, I mentioned at a funeral that right now, and it still is, right now my favorite praise and worship song is a song called Chainbreaker by Zach Williams. It changes, you know, when I hear different things, but for the time being, I love the song Chainbreaker by Zach Williams. And I want to share with you a couple words from that song. I'm not going to sing it, don't worry. <laughs> but it really is a good song. You ought to go listen to it. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies, 
If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. And then the chorus says this, if you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom and saving, he's a prison-shaken savior. If you got chains, he's a chain breaker. Here's the message for today. If you feel like you've kind of been living your life chained down, if you feel like you've been living your life enslaved and trapped, sin is not your master. Listen, sin is not your master. Lust is not your master. Selfishness is not your master. A lack of self-control is not your master. Alcohol is not your master. Prescription drugs, drugs, not your master. Anger is not your master. Jealousy is not your master. When you became a Christian, Jesus became your master. Jesus became your Lord. He came to the world to do more than just forgive us of our sins. He came to free us, to set us free from sin. And if Jesus is your Lord, if, if, if Jesus is your master, if, if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, sin's not your master. And that's really good news. Now, if you're not a Christian, I've got some good news for you too. Sin doesn't have to be your master. Sin doesn't have to be your master. If you're fed up with, with things that seem like they have control over you, again, if you're fed up with looking in the mirror and thinking, you know, that's, that's not who I want to be. I know that's not who I was created to be. If you wish things were different, if you wish you were different, here's some good news. Jesus came into the world to set you free from sin. You're to give him the name Jesus. Because he'll save his people from their sins. He will save his people from their sins. Jesus said, I came to the world to seek and to save that which is lost. This morning, the good news is, that can be you. You can be saved. Those chains can be broken today. If you've never confessed Jesus as your Lord, gone public. Jesus, Son of God. I'm trusting Him. He's my new master. If you've never repented of your sins, I'm changing my life. I'm going after that best life that God offers. Never been baptized into Jesus? That's what Jesus told us to do. That's what the Bible tells us to do. You can do that today. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to save the whole world. What a blessing. What a gift to mankind. But it's much more personal than that. He came to save me. Tim Stutzman. And he came to save you. Personally. And that's good news. We've got a song that we're going to use as a song of encouragement today. As a family, if we can help you in any way, there'll be some people here to meet you in the front of the auditorium. Let's stand and sing.